Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. We're in week four of a series we've entitled Thriving in Babylon. We're looking at the life of Daniel and uh, not just Daniel, but others, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from last week, uh, what it looks like to be able to live for God uh, in this cultural moment, right? In the moment that seems like uh, there's a little bit of tension, right, in our culture when it comes to Christianity and what that looks like and how can we thrive and not just survive, right? Not just, hey, I made it through. Right, we got to the other end. No, we want to be able to thrive in this cultural moment. We've talked about control. We've talked about consecration. We talked about conviction. And today, if we want to thrive in our culture, then we need to be people of courage. Right? We need to be people of courage. I don't know if you've caught on. Every word starts with a C. So next week, I can guarantee you that whatever we're talking about is going to start with a C. You just figure out whatever it is. All right? but, but today, we're going to be talking about courage. And if, you, if you've been to church at any point in your life, if you've ever attended a Sunday school class, you have probably heard the story that we're going to be talking about today. If you're really old school, you may have saw it on a flannel graph. All right, where they're like, mm, look at this. Well, they just stick up on the board and we're good to go. And you just pray nothing falls off. And, and sometimes I feel like the, this story um, by, by Daniel uh, has been portrayed maybe as he's snuggling up with some cute little kitties. Right? And I get, because how many know that would be awkward in Sunday school to have a group of like three and four year olds? And you're like, we're going to be talking about Daniel and the lions then. And you're like, here's the crazy thing is these roaring lions, they were going to rip Daniel to shred. They were going to chew him up and spit him out. It was going to be great, kids. Like, no, you wouldn't tell that story, right? And so, it, it, but maybe it, it's not Daniel just snuggling up with some cute little kitty cats. But let's take a little, let's take a dive a little bit deeper into the text this morning. Let's look at. Uh, where Daniel was at in his point in his life. Uh, Daniel is somewhere in his 80s, 80-ish, somewhere in there. He's now serving under King Darius, which is, um, this is, he served under about five kings. And so King Darius is, is just one of those five. It's the third. And uh, King Darius was very administrative. He set up uh, what was called satraps. They were, they were kind of kingdom protectors. All right, so the scripture says that he had 120 of these kingdom protectors. And then, then out of that, there were three Right? There were three that kind of helped keep the national books. All right? They were keeping those 120 in line. And Daniel happens to be one of those three. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Daniel chapter 6. We're going to be jumping in and looking at verses 1 through 3. The scripture says, It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. Satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Again, you're seeing there's an administrative system set up. But it says, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the kingdom. I love, right away, I see one of our uh, second leadership core values is being willing to go beyond, right? We value passion. And don't you see that in who Daniel is, right? He had these exceptional qualities, right, that the king had seen and said, listen, we're, well, I want to elevate Daniel to this next level. So I don't know about you, but doesn't that look like a good day? 
Like if you're Daniel and you're like, oh man, today's the day I'm getting a big promo at work and man, I'm going from, I was top three and now I'm gonna be number two. Like I'm gonna be right underneath the king. But the other two administrators get a little jealous. They're not so, they're not on the same board as the king and, and they're like, hey, listen, how come Daniel's gonna be in charge? And I'm not sure I like this. And so now in this, this moment, they're, they're figuring out a plan. They're coming up with a scheme. How can, how can we take Daniel out? And you're gonna see this morning is Daniel had to be a man of supernatural courage, supernatural courage. And so what can we learn about courageous faith this morning from Daniel. Here's number one if you're taking notes. When God raises you up, expect people to try to tear you down. Right? When God raises you up, expect people to try to tear you down. So you get that promotion at work and you're all excited, but you may have a coworker that's not nearly as excited as you. All right? And they're like, I don't understand. How come they get this? How come I've been here? I've worked. I've put in my time. And why are they getting this advancement? And I'm not getting this advancement. Or, or maybe, maybe you're really excited about your faith. Right? You're passionate about your faith and maybe you're new to faith and you just have this joy. How many know that we are, as followers of Christ, we're to have the joy of the Lord. We, we should be the most excited, passionate, happy people on planet earth because we know the creator personally and intimately. And so the scripture says that we should have some joy in our life, but, but you're, now you're full of this joy, you're full of this passion, and then you run into a well-meaning Christian who says, I don't know why you're so happy, I don't know why you're so joyous, but one day you're gonna be miserable like me. Right? There's always gonna be someone you come across that's going to want to tear you down. Maybe, maybe you've made a decision. You're, you're, you're like, hey, listen, I'm gonna be a stay-at-home mom because I wanna be able to invest in the lives of my children. I wanna be there. And, and, someone, and other people are gonna look at you and be like, why are you lazy? How come you're not going to work? Listen, I remember the days, Angel, with our three toddlers, and at the time she was doing a daycare in home. And so at any given moment, there were seven toddlers in our house. And I would come home from work and she'd be like, you're so lucky you get to go to work. And I was like, I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> I know, all right? It's not lazy. Like she, I was like, no, because I don't want to be home in all this. You do great with it. Me, not so much. Like I just had the kids duct taped to the wall. And they, when you get home, take care of them, peel them off, and we'll be ready to go. But there are going to be those people who are going to come against you. I think about crabs. If you put crabs in a bucket, Right? You have this effect where, where when one tries to get out, the other will grab him and pull him back down because their mentality is, you want to be free, I want to be free, but I don't want you to be free if I can't be free. And we have those people in our life that are like, oh, I want you to be free, but I want to be free, and I don't like that you're chasing freedom that I can't find. And so in order for me to be on your level, I want to pull you back down to mine. And so there will always be people when God raises you up who will want to tear you down. Look at Daniel chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. It says that this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Can you imagine that for a moment? He is so faithful that the only thing he has found guilty of is service to the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, that resonates with my spirit this morning, that his obedience to the, for the kingdom of God, for, for, for his savior, right, for God, it is truly impacted every area of his life. 
Not just, oh, on Sunday mornings, just loves to serve. No, it was beyond that, right? It, it, it empowered him. It impacted him with the way that he worked in the secular field, right? Wouldn't that be said of us that, that we're so in love with God that there's, we, they can't, nobody can find anything guilty about us, right? The way that you work, the way that you love, the way that you serve your, the church, the way that you serve the community around you, it's, it's, it's with excellence, it's with character, it's with integrity, I wonder if it would be said of us that the only dirt that, that someone could find on me was, was prior to knowing Jesus. Because then it's easy, right? Like you just, it's still amazing to me. I remember when I first got on social media and I was on Facebook and then you put what you do for a living and people were messaging me, there's no way. That's impossible that you're a pastor. And I was like, bro, I know you ain't seen or heard from me in the last 15 years, but Life change is possible through the power of Christ. And so, yes, that is possible. That's what I do for a living. I know that you're like, there's, I seen who you were, and now I, there's no way that they would let you pastor, especially teenagers, bro. They're crazy. And I was like, well, maybe they are. But, but here we have Daniel living with such character and such integrity in such a way that they couldn't find anything about him except for his passion for serving God. What would Daniel tell us? Have the courage to advance the kingdom, but understand others will discourage your advancement. Right? You have that kind of courage that wants to advance the kingdom. Have that type of courage that you're living with audacious faith, but just know that, that others aren't going to be impressed by your advancement. There will always be opposition to your stance. There, there's always going to be opposition to your faith. There will always be opposition to your values. If you're not ready to face opposition for God, then you're not ready to be used by God. Right? If you're not ready to face opposition for God, then you're not ready to be used by God because if you're going to be used by God, if you're going to be used for his principles, his kingdom, and to make an impact in this world, then you're going to face opposition. Often I think if we're not facing opposition, maybe we're not doing it right. But there's some opposition here for Daniel. Too, too many people want a cruise ship Christianity. I don't know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been on a cruise, like you get on the boat and then from there you're like, this is smooth sailing. Like this is nothing but fun all day, every day long. That's what we want with Christianity. We want us to be able to hop on the boat and go, this is smooth sailing. This is going to be fun. Now I will say that following after Jesus is fun. I will say there are days where it's smooth sailing. But I would also say there are days and or seasons where you feel like you're Daniel. Right, where you're like, I've done nothing wrong. How come I'm walking through and then you get to fill in the blank? I don't understand. Like, why, why would coworkers go after Daniel? Why would they do this? And so we see this moment where these, these guys are like, listen, hey, King, I think there should be a day just for you. I think there should be a season just for you. And even though King Darius loved Daniel, he, he, he didn't understand what was taking place in this moment. And all kings are a little bit narcissistic where they're like, hey, that's a good idea. Even though I feel like I'm not as bad as other kings, like this is a pretty good idea. Yeah, I like where you're going with this. And they, so they start brown nosing a little bit. Hey, I think, I think there should be a 30-day period where the only person we can pray to you is you, king. And if for some reason, you should make a decree that if for some reason anybody were to pray to anyone else other than you just for this 30-day period, I think that, that their guilt should land them in the pit with the lions. You should throw them in that pit. And the king's like, you know what? That's not a bad idea. And so he makes this decree. And so now all of a sudden, Daniel finds himself at a crossroads. And many times in our lives, we find ourselves in a similar crossroad. Are we going to do what's right? What is, what is God asking of us in this moment? And so Daniel had to make a decision. 
He had to decide, is this going to be a moment of courageous faith? Or is this just going to be a moment where I go, hey, listen, God, for the next 30 days, I'm going to be on sabbatical. Because God, I don't know if you're aware, and I'm sure he was aware. God, I've been following after you and for 80 years of my life. I've given, I've served, I've been a part of, of who you are and what you're about. So for 30 days, I get, I get four weeks off, right? So this would be normal. Like this, I'm just going to take a sabbatical. And so for the next 30 days, I'm not going to pray. And uh, you'll understand because you're a gracious, merciful God. And so that's where I'm going to be. So that was an opportunity. Daniel, he could have chosen that path. Or he could have said, listen, for the next 30 days, God, typically I know this is what I do, but for the next 30 days, I'm just going to pray silently. Because God, I know you hear those prayers as well. Because you know, you know my mind, you know what's in my heart. And so instead of praying out loud, I will pray silently. And then I'm not going to get in trouble, and I'll, but I'll still be talking to you. Right? He could have chosen that path. Or he could choose the path of courageous faith that says, I will continue to pray publicly and risk death. You see, remember last week we talked about conviction? If you're going to stand with conviction, you're going to need some Holy Spirit courage. Right? If you're going to be a person that's going to stand on conviction, you are going to need some Holy Spirit courage. And where does that type of courage come from? It, would, it, it leads us to our next point, if you're taking notes, is the power of the kneel will give you the courage to stand. The power of the kneel will give you the courage to stand. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the wind, with the windows were open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. See, we talked about it last week with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't know the end of the story. Well, Daniel doesn't have the end of the story either. He's not sure what's going to happen to him. He just knows this, that if he does this, if he prays publicly, that he's going to be put into a pit with some hungry lions. And so what's he do? He has the faith. He has the faith to make that declaration, to make that prayer. What if, what if Christianity became illegal in the United States? What if, what if it was illegal to pray in the name of Jesus? What if every church in the United States was shut down, canceled? You could no longer gather what we're doing like this morning for corporate worship, corporate prayer, uh, corporate understanding and, and preaching of the word. And it was illegal. And so now you find yourself at home and what am I going to do? Right, would panic set in? What am I supposed to do? And I, I, we, we used to go to church and we can't go to church and we used to pray in Jesus' name. What are people going to think about me if they find me praying in Jesus' name? Or we'd be running around with a bunch of like a little elementary school girls. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Like, I'm going to pray and I can't pray. What are we going to find ourselves doing? Or would we kind of, would we have that audacious faith and that type of courage that said, God, I know what you've asked of me and I know what you're telling me and so I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I think about my, uh, a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine uh, down in Cincinnati. He has a wonderful heart for missions. And a year ago, uh, he was invited. They, they, they put together like this, this prayer group with an organization called Live Dead. And Live Dead goes into Muslim countries and preaches the gospel. And so they were having this prayer. They were going to have this prayer gathering. And at the last minute, they had to move the location. It was supposed to be in Missouri. And they moved it to Egypt. And so all of a sudden they find themselves in, in Egypt and it's, it's time to pray. And so all the Muslims are gathering to pray and the missionary that my friend is with says, we're going to pray too. He's like, is that legal? And he's like, no, it's not legal. He's like, so what happens if, if they pull guns on us while we're gathering to pray? Because are we going to pray in public? Oh, he's like, oh, we're going to the synagogue. We can't go there and pray. 
He's like, why not? And they show up, they walk in, they go to a different room, and they are praying out loud in the name of Jesus. And it was in that moment where my friend was like, if they pull a gun, what, what are we supposed to do? He's like, up your prayer life. <laughs> that, that's, that's it. So here they are going through and passing guards. Heads down, don't make eye contact. We're just going through. And then they stop and they get out of their vehicles and they pray. What courage, what faith. If our life is taken, our lives are martyrs for a greater cause, for the kingdom of God, that all would know that every individual would have an opportunity to hear the name of Jesus. Prayer should, prayer should be our number one priority and not our last resort. Right? Shouldn't it be our number one priority and not our last resort? Many of us have made this statement, right? And this isn't shame, this isn't guilt, but we make this statement. I guess all we can do is pray. I guess all we can do is pray. Shouldn't it be, hey, we're gonna start with prayer? Because it doesn't, it doesn't sound like to me, at least to me, it sounds like, I guess all we can do is pray. As in, we've tried everything and anything else and nothing else has worked. So I guess we're gonna talk to God about it. Do you understand, right, that we have the phone number, we have the lifeline to the creator and the sustainer of the world. Without him giving you breath, you will cease to exist. And we have him on speed dial, right? His ear is tuned to our lips and to our hearts. And we're like, God, I guess all we can do is pray. No, God, what an opportunity we have that we can come to you in prayer, knowing that you can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask. So we approach your throne of grace with humility, but with, with an awareness that we're coming and you can answer, right? That's having courage. That's having faith. I wonder if Daniel had to pray about whether or not he would pray, right? Does, did, we don't see that he announces it like, Hey guys, I just want you to know I'm going upstairs, I'm gonna open my windows and this is what we're gonna do and I'm gonna pray and so catch me if you can. He didn't make no announcement. He didn't get on Instagram and make a post, a little selfie, hashtag more spiritual than you. Like he didn't, he didn't do any of this. He just does what he's used to doing, which is prayer. It was natural for him. It was in his DNA. I hope we get to a place in our faith, in our journey of following after Christ, where it is natural for us, where it is a part of our DNA that we are in God's word on a daily basis, that we are in worship on a daily basis, that we are in prayer on a daily basis, that we are serving our church, that we are serving our community because it's so natural to us. And because it's natural to us, we don't have to pray about it. We don't have to ponder about it. We just have to be passionate about it. And that passion then infuses us to have a plan. Daniel had a plan. That was his normal custom. I will pray in the morning, I will pray in the afternoon, and I will pray at night. What's your plan? What is your plan to see your faith Right, move to that next level. What is your plan? Daniel prayed, he had that posture, right, of humility and of dependency upon God. What's our posture? Hard to worship like this. Is our posture like this? Is our posture of our hearts open to receive from him? But Pastor Lance, you don't understand. I don't have time, I hear what you're saying. I just don't have time. I don't have time to, to, to every day be in the word, every day to pray. Like, Pastor, I just don't have the time for that. If you don't make the time to grow in your faith, your faith will never be able to stand the test of time. You have to make it a priority in your life to say, God, if I'm gonna live with courage, then I gotta make time for it. Because at some point in your walk with God, you will have to take a stand. Maybe, maybe you're, you're, you're thinking about your child right now, and you're like, I don't know if they're gonna be good enough to play Division I soccer. 
I'm not sure. They're really good. But every practice and every game is on Wednesday night and Sunday morning. And you got to make a decision. Man, I don't know if they're going to be good enough for Division One, but I know that I want their heart to be in tune with the audience of one. And so, so does that mean I'm going to have to maybe pull them out? That may be a stance you're going to have to take. You may, you may be here this morning, you may be listening online, and you're like, hey, listen, I need to make a decision. My boyfriend is, is pushing me to, to break my stance on purity. Maybe it's time for you to end that relationship because you've got to make your stance. You tell your friends, maybe you're here this morning, you're listening online, and you're like, I'm going to take my stance. My, my sobriety is more important to me. And so, so the next time I'm asked to go to the bar, my answer is no. I'm not going. I don't want another sip because I, I want to make sure that my, my sobriety and my, my, me following after Jesus is my number one. And so I'm going to have to say no. Now, I can't stand up here and say, listen, it's just going to be easy and everything's going to be great and you're never going to have it. There, it's just going to be, right? Your cruise ship. I can't say that. It may cost you something. It may cost you friendships. It could, it, it could cost you some popularity. It could cause you some gossip. And I can't stand up here and say it won't be painful. But I will say, and this is point number three, is use courage to take the right action. Use courage to take the right action. Not all courageous steps will lead you to where you want them to go because God is not a genie in a bottle where you just rub and then whatever wish you ask for it just happens. There's something for us to learn and we find purpose in, in some of the pain that we walk through. But for 80 years, Daniel was faithful. He was faithful. His, his, his heart was, listen, I'm gonna trust him if he shows up and I'm gonna trust him if he doesn't. Whatever happens, happens, but, but my faith and my courage rest in Christ and God alone. And it's in this moment where you sing King Darius, the scripture talks about him, he's devastated. Like, I love Daniel, but, but when the king gives a decree, he can't take it back. He can't just say, well, I didn't mean it for Daniel. I didn't know it was gonna be for Daniel. If it was for Daniel, I wouldn't have made the decree. But he can't, he can't go back on his word. So his only course of action is to have him arrested. And he says, and this is what the king says, may your God, whom you serve faithfully, come to your rescue. Right, he lived his life in a way that the king knew. Man, I just hope the God that you've been talking about, the God you're faithfully serving, comes to your rescue. And I don't know how God did it. Right, I, we're gonna read in scripture that the angels show up and they just shut the mouths of the lion. I don't know if it, was it right away? Did he use rope? Did he... I, was there any, like, did Daniel have to get into a corner and be like, oh, Lord, like, just let it. I just know what happens. In Daniel chapter 6, verses 22 and 23, it says, My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Look at the courage. Look at the audacious faith. I'm going to trust that God is going to come through. And there is not a mark, there is not a scar that was found on me because I had trusted in God. The scripture goes on to say that this king, King Darius, is like, hey, listen, we're going to flip the script now. Those who, who, who made this, discre this decree, made me make this decree, I see you, and I want you to know that you're now going to face the same consequences. And so those who came against Daniel are now put into the lion's den. And then the king issues a different decree. Hear this decree, that those, right, that the kingdom, those living in the area should fear the God of Daniel. 
right? Daniel's God showed up in such a way, in such a powerful way. The lions didn't harm him. There should be some reverence for this God. And I don't know this morning what your right action is today, but my challenge for you is just for you to say yes. Just for you to say yes. I don't know, hear me on this, I don't know if you'll hear it just from me. Maybe, maybe you need it to hear from a 15-year-old that just preached this sermon a number of weeks ago in Orlando, Florida, where she finished second in the entire nation about having a courageous faith. And so will you do me a favor and welcome Olivia Prepsky as she shares. 1 Samuel 14, one day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. So during this time, Saul, Jonathan's pops, he's chilling under a tree. And Jonathan, he's tired of waiting around. He wants to do something big for God. Jonathan says to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. He's saying nothing, no thing can hinder the Lord. No matter how tall your giant is, no matter how big your problem is, no matter how many are against you, do all you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan Haddon, I am going to trust God and cut off all doubt type of courageous faith. So what would it look like for me and for you to live a life full of courageous faith? First, we have to be willing to remove the lids. What is removing the lid? I'm talking the lid of insecurities. I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. God would do it for others, but not for me. The lid of doubt, fear, looking at the problem instead of looking at our God. We serve an unlimited God, yet we limit our own potential. And we say things like, I can't. It's never been done. That's impossible. I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. What will other people think? Let's stop trying to define what our God can or cannot do through you. David took the lid off with Goliath. Who defies the armies of a living God? Gideon took the lid off. Victory with only 300 men. Moses put the lid on with the 12 spies, and 10 said, we can't do that. Joshua took the lid off, comes back 40 years later. What would happen if we dared to believe God for our biggest needs? The second thing needed for a life full of courageous faith is we must take bold and daring steps. Look what Jonathan did next. And by all rational military terms, this was really stupid. But picking up at verse 11, so both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. These people were in a mood, okay? They were talking so much smack, but here's what happens next. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed 
followed and killed behind him. For Jonathan and for me and you, there is only one thing left to start doing. That's to start climbing. Take action. Because one step of faith, one decision could change your life forever. I would rather fall on my face than sit on my butt. When did we start believing that Jesus died to keep us safe? Mm -mm. He died to make us dangerous. Lastly, we have to charge at what we fear the most. When your friend tells you to trust fall, do you wrap yourself up in bubble wrap? No, you have enough faith in, their, in your friend that they're gonna catch you. And it's time to start having that same trust fall type faith in God. Benjamin Mee is quoted saying, sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. Just literally 20 seconds of embarrassing bravery. And I promise you, something great will come out of it. Because with 20 seconds of insane courage, Peter got out of the boat. David was charging Goliath. Zacchaeus to climb a sycamore tree. 20 seconds to talk about Jesus with your unsaved friend. 20 seconds to receive a vision to plant that church. 20 seconds to uh, start that Bible study at your school. 20 seconds to invite your neighbor to church. Jonathan wanted to be on the front lines not the sidelines. So what do you fear the most? Charge, run after it. Charge your crazy dreams and goals. Charge your relationships. Charge your addiction. Charge your health. Charge your walk with God. We serve a God with no limits. A God who is for you. So let's live a life full of courageous faith. Thank you. And so the heart of anybody who gets up on a microphone and shares the message of Jesus Christ, well, we are thankful for the good jobs. It's really because we want to challenge your heart with knowing Christ, to ask those next questions like, what are you going to do about it? This isn't just a speech. It's not something warm and fuzzy. And we celebrate Olivia, and we're so proud of her. But at the end of the day, it's what we do when we walk out of this place that matters. It's where we take our next step. It's whether or not we climb the sycamore tree. It's whether or not we charge that thing that we're most afraid of. It's being bold through our diagnoses. It's being brave and taking that step of courageous faith when he's asked you to reach out to your unsafe friends, as Olivia said. It's being courageous in your home and in your neighborhood. It's being courageous in your faithfulness, recognizing that when we fail, that it's not our faithfulness that stands, it's His. And being brave enough to stand up tall and proud as His child, no matter what we've done, no matter what we've walked through, knowing that it is His blood and His redemption that sets us free. And every single one of us in this place has an opportunity to leave today with the power of Jesus Christ in us and through us, working through our lives, and over the last several months, I'll say the last couple years, we've had the opportunity to watch a young man courageously live for Jesus. Walk away, miles away, states away from his family. And let me tell you, when he talks about his family, there's like that, this is my family pride. This isn't a 21-year-old young man who's like, yeah, my mom and dad, this is I love my family but going a couple states away to pursue the call of God on his life, to go to college, to invest in our students. And so Leroy, can you come up here? We are so proud of you. 
brave and so strong and so spirit-filled. He's gonna be the next youth pastor of Radiant Life Church. Yeah. I'm just super proud of myself because there's no tears in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, this is, what, this is what walking in step with Jesus looks like. This is what it looks like to do some hard things and to put in the hard work. And already just through internships, just through internships, we've seen relationships built, lives changed, students set free from addictions because of the faithfulness of this young leader. And we're so proud. We're so proud. And so, yes, I encourage you today as you leave to take your step, whatever that looks like for you. But today we're going to honor this young man, and I want to invite his family to come forward. I'm going to ask his mom and his dad to pray over him. And if you are in this place and you want to join us in prayer, I just ask that you would stretch your hands forward. Come on up. Emily, Roberto, come on. Grandma, Grandpa, I want to say Abuela. Do you call her Abuela? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Mom and Dad, for the work you've put into raising such a godly young man. We do not take it lightly that he gets to walk side by side with us. And we are family and we are joined together in ministry and we'll walk courageously with him. We'll intercede for you because Mama, I know, <laughs> My biggest fear that my babies will leave. I watch so many of you just gracefully lead your children who live all over the country and they get through it because they have a family and a support system around them. And we promise to be your son's village as well. So at this time, let's pray and let's believe for God's anointing and blessing to be upon Leroy and just join us in prayer this morning. So much to thank you for, Lord. So much to thank you, Lord, because in the beginning, you know of our hesitation as far as our son leaving our house. God, but you gave us the peace. He took a step in faith, God, and we took a step in faith with him as far as him leaving miles and miles away from our home to where we could not see him every day like we were accustomed to. <clears throat> but God, we are grateful for the people that has touched his life. We are grateful for the family, the great family that took him in, God. We are thankful for this church family. We're thankful for the school he's attending. Lord, because you've always been in control. You've always been in control. Even when I thought I had to be in control, God, you corrected me. And you took control of his life. You took control of my life. Lord, in this next season, God, I just ask you to be with him. I just ask you to shine your light upon him, God. Be his guiding light like you've always been, Lord. May you always give him the knowledge to recognize and see which path he needs to take. Follow you in your direction. God, in the same time also, just continue to give us the peace, Father. Continue to give us the peace. Continue to give us the, the understanding. And always give us the encouragement to, to, to chase after him, to chase after you, first of all, and to back him up in anything he does, Lord. God, may, may your name be honored and be lifted in all that this ministry he's upon. 
Lord, that, that your name be lifted and that your name be recognized, God. And that the young men and children that's going to come out of this, God, may, may, they, may they change the world for you, Lord. Again, God, thank you so much for all the blessings you've given us, blessing all our children. God, and I, again, I just ask that you be with my son, be with our son in this ministry. Father, and continue to use the people around him to support and to have courage and to find the courage. God, we ask, I ask this and I praise you. I praise your mighty and wonderful name. Amen. Come on, isn't the Lord good? Come on. So good. You guys may be seated. Thank you. So it's having courage. It's having courage. I don't know what your next right action is. And I don't know what's on the other side of your yes. But on the other side of your yes, you may find your purpose. On the other side of your yes, you may find your calling. On the other side of your yes, it may move you states away. The other side of that yes is a courageous faith that says, Jesus, I just wanna be used by you no matter where, no matter when. So if you're here this morning and you're like, Pastor Lance, that, that was a sermon and Olivia outshined you, of course, I'm used to it. And we're excited for, for Leroy coming on staff. But all over this room, I'm just gonna ask you to do me a favor. Because as Pastor Angel said, is, the messages, man, we prepare, we put in the work, we love communicating the, who Jesus is and how to get to know Jesus and surrendering our life to Jesus and finding our purpose and our calling in Jesus. But our greatest honor as pastors is when we see it lived out, when the challenge is accepted and we see people walking and who Jesus has called them to be. So in this, I'm not gonna ask you to close your eyes today. I'm gonna ask you to leave them open. Here's my challenge to you, you ready? How many are you, how many of you are willing to say yes and say, God, whatever it is, I wanna have that type of courage to say yes to you whenever you call my name. If that's you, would you just raise your hand up all over this place? Father, you see every hand lifted. You see every hand lifted in this place as we're present. You see every hand and every heart lifted online. God, I pray that you would infuse new life a vigor, a passion within every individual with their hand raised this morning. God, that we would chase after you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, just like Jonathan and, and David, God, that we would, we, would, we would be able to be willing to put our hands to the work for your kingdom, for your glory. Just like Daniel, we would take our stance. God, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be ashamed of praying to you and for you. But God, you would take us in a, through your spirit on another level and up to another level where we would have the courage to say yes to whatever you're calling us to. Empower us to live boldly for you, with a passion for you. Truly may our lives be set ablaze that others could watch us burn for your glory and for your honor. That our passion for you would bring glory and honor to you as we walk in humility and submission to your will. We give you praise and glory in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen.